slip there. No. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Probably Irrelevant. Possibly Interesting. With Mark and Wade. I'm the Wade part. He's the Mark part. But there's another part here today. It's uh, We're, we're uh, joined by Shannon Evans of the Tom Bigby Tales podcast, a, a podcast that's gone, it's gotten pretty humongous in the local area in the past few months, and we can get into why exactly that happened in a minute if you want to. Um, Shannon, please tell us about yourself, and welcome to the show. Well, which side of myself do you want to know today? Um, my professional dealer, side, dealer's my podcast choice. side, dealer's choice. who I am. I'm from Columbus originally, okay. uh, sort of in a long-distance kind of sort of way. I left here when I turned about mm, 18, 19, thinking I'd never come back. And COVID happened, and somehow I moved back here from Mexico. So you're in Mexico. Yeah, I was living in Mexico at the time. Okay, I think you're burying the lead a little bit. Yeah, so, you think? <laughs> um, uh, how do we get from Columbus, Mississippi, to to where in Mexico? Uh, La Manzanilla, a okay. little tiny town south of Puerto Vallarta, about two hours. Okay, it's a it's where the whales go to have their babies. Wow. Yeah, it's south of the Sea of Cortez on the Pacific Ocean. So are you like a whale midwife or no. something? No, oh okay. hell no. <laughs> No, yeah, tell me, tell, yeah, please. So, so yeah, yeah, you know, whatever okay. version you're used to doing. I guess. So I, I, I graduated. I went to Ole Miss. I went to the Middle East. Right out. Well, I actually went to Houston first, and then they sent me to the Middle East within six weeks. I'm guessing they really didn't like me in the office. Uh, I worked as a project manager. Came back from the Middle East. In the oil business. No. Okay. Uh, building bridges and whatnot in the middle of the desert okay um and uh and most of which got blown up in the war so that's even better um some of them where they had difficulty blowing up so that makes me feel good <laughs> uh so anyways uh it went to from there i decided i could either have kids or cats living in the desert so i came back to the united states went back to school etc cetera, etc cetera. Okay. even got a then went back and got an english degree at the W, right, and um, which I can't call Brightwell. Jesus, we can get Marianne into that Joseph. too. We, I do want to talk about. I do want to talk about that. <laughs> so, so I, no, I didn't go to the dental clinic in Columbus. I went to the W, and uh, then I went on and done a bunch of other stuff and came back to Columbus from Seattle through Mexico to here, and I'm stuck here for now. Okay, well, planning we, on leaving? I have no idea. Okay, what are your degrees in? civil engineering i went back got a degree in english always suspicious about people who go to Ole miss get an engineering degree well i kind of fell into that i was supposed (laughs) to get a journalism degree and go to law school and i never do what my parents want me to do Uh, so why start now and then i went back to school and got an english degree which was also against my parents best directions and got a couple of masters along the way got a master's in the statistical analysis of human learning which means nothing really and then i i went to an online university that i knew was an online university and worked there and got another master's in instructional design and then i came here and i got a master's in uh a master's of fine arts and creative writing so broad and varied interests that would be fair to say i guess i have okay. a i have a bs and bs well, that you and, I, you and I share that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned journalism. You obviously have a passion for it. You know, listening to your show, which uh, uh, exhaustively covers the 
specifically the Columbus Visitors Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you want change to happen, so, it starts with you. So, so what were you doing in Mexico, though? Um, escaping the cold, dark, dreary winters of Seattle. I mean, that's a way to do it, I would imagine. And then COVID happened, and we kind of just stayed there. Have you ever been to Mexico? Yeah. I've been to Puerto Vallarta, actually. Yeah, well, so Puerto Vallarta is rocky, and this place is sugar sand beaches. Okay. And, and it's beautiful. And so COVID brought you back home, I suppose. Uh, we can, it was the COVID numbers there were rising, and ours were actually coming down. Okay. And uh, so my parents are quite up there in age. Right. My, so I came back home, essentially. And what are you doing here in Columbus? Uh, I work for an organization called the Mount Zion Memorial Fund. Uh-huh. I work in um, in the public history uh, domain, essentially. Work in the preservation of African American history. Archive work. No, I'm things like going out in the woods and looking for where African American sacred sites are and burial sites and old communities huh. and. Uh, documenting and I have a project that's getting ready to start uh, pretty soon doing some archival um, work hopefully we're working on a grant so that we can help the uh, Mississippi John Hurt Foundation preserve all of the photos and and newspapers and documents and things that they have from their from the Hurt family that were part of Mississippi John Hurt's collection that wasn't stolen by Tom Hoskins and a few others. And so we're, we're helping them to preserve their documents and we're helping them to uh, try and protect their ancestral lands. And so when you say protect their documents, are these like are these being donated to a university or are they they're going to no, be kept in a private collection? Well, they're in a private collection. Right now, they're, a lot of them are, are behind picture frames and uh, in photo albums and things like that. Right. And so they need to be documented. They need to be uh, they need to be digitized. Some of them. So is uh, the goal to create like a museum space or a, a maybe have, a library space? They have a museum, and their goal is to actually try and raise enough funds to take because they have John Hurt's home, mm-hmm. which is a shotgun shack, and and what they're trying to do is to is to build a a building under which. They can um, put that whole building, pick that building up, and put it in it, and create classroom space and create like an archival setting that so that everything is protected. Well, real quick for people who don't know, can you talk a little bit about Mississippi John Hurt? Yeah, what do you want to know? I mean, he's my favorite blues guitar player. I think yeah. he's the most unique of all the those he old was. guys guitar players. Yeah, I, I, one of my favorite things is uh, well, his granddaughter is one of my dearest friends. Uh, her name's Mary Frances Hurt. She's somebody y'all should have here. Um, she is. She, I'll take y'all down to Carroll County and y'all can go hang out mm-hmm. and and uh, I get her hopefully to come from Chicago and we can sit around and talk. And she knows ten times what I know. Right. Um, but he's buried up in Teoc, which is above Avalon. He he was essentially from the area of Avalon, which was a plantation down there. Right. Uh, his mother was a McLean, um, John McLean, and she shared ancestry. Senator John 
not McLean, McCain. John McCain. John McCain. Yeah, he's from his, his. John McCain and Mississippi John Hurt were related. Oh yeah. So I did not know John that. McCain's grandparents. Mother, uh, uh, not mother. Well, she was from this area too. But John McCain's uh, paternal grandparents were from. Um, it's called. I think it's called Mitchell Springs. Is the technically the little area down there, but it's it's in Carroll County, and it was a plantation okay. that they okay. had. And so when um, Mary Jane McCain, Mississippi John Hurt's mother, um. When she came into her majority, she lived and worked almost all of her life on the McCain property. And she was given, hundred, I think it's 180 acres of land up there. And it's slowly been stolen from the McCain family, from the Hurt family. But John Hurt was her son. Her husband was a guy named Isom Hurt, who was uh, lynched in, and then... What, what, what time period are we talking about? When John Mc, when uh, John Hurt was two or three years old. Okay, so, so 1890. Okay, I think I think that would be right about 1888. I didn't realize John, uh, Mississippi John Hurt was that was, yeah. was that old. So John died in the 70s, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Sorry, he died. my wife broke her leg, and every time a text oh, comes no. through, I gotta check it. Everything's That's fine. fine. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. 19 I think he died in he died in the 70s I know that. Okay. He came home from from Washington DC where he had gone to to record records with because of Hoskins efforts and uh, after the Newport Festival. And his son had actually died. And he, he TC who was Mary Frances's father and TC had 13 kids I think 13 or 14 he had a whole whole houseful of children. And so John came home to help take care of all those children. And so he never went back to Washington to gather his things. And he asked Tom Hoskins to gather them for him, DMT's apartment, that he and his common-law wife and his other son had. And to, to, and uh, and then John died shortly thereafter. I think he died 18 months later. Hmm. And Hoskins kept all his things and never returned them to the family. Wow. Including a whole bunch of stuff that John had written and they had recorded. I think they were on reel to reels, maybe. Yeah. And uh, Hoskins died and left them to his sister. And her name's Suzanne Brown, and she's married to an intellectual property attorney. And so the family's been fighting for years to try and get that property back. And they donated a lot of that stuff to the Smithsonian, I believe. I'm pretty sure it's the Smithsonian mm-hmm. who won't give it back. Well, that's something else. Uh, Mark, are you familiar with Mississippi John Hurt? Oh, yeah. So, was Hoskins his what? Manager? No. Well, I mean, what was their relation? So, he was the one who, quote, rediscovered him, although he okay. was never lost. Yeah. Um, John was playing all that time. The, the myth that they've, I mean, there's a lot of myth around a lot of these African American um, blues artists because that was, you know, it's, it's more interesting to create the persona. The magical black guy. The magical Negro. That yeah. is exactly what we call it in the industry. And what he, what they did um, was John was still playing. I mean, he was playing family events. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of photography of him, you know, playing at um, 
the church, playing at the school. He played everybody's birthday party. He was a musician. That's what he did for a living. Uh, I, I love when everybody goes, yeah, he was a farmer. His children and grandchildren or laugh, his grandchildren laugh and go, he couldn't grow, he couldn't grow vegetables. <laughs> he was never a farmer. That just wasn't what he did. Now, his son right. was a sharecropper, but John was not. John lived up in, uh, up, up on a hill in Teoc, uh-huh. and um, he played music. That's what he did. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, like I said, I love that old stuff. Um, it's basically a running competition between Mississippi John Hurt and R.L. Burnside for me. I love R.L. Um, well, it sounds like, you know, just from you telling that story and from the little bit I know about you, that you are um, an extremely curious person. Um you uh, get heavily invested in things, and you might have a little bit of shit stirrer in you, too. <laughs> well, I have friends who call me Shannon the shit stirrer. So. I mean, it's uh, one of the things that you would find interesting is uh, one of the projects we have down on dealing with Mississippi John Hurd yeah. is the cemetery where he's buried. Um, and that's in Carroll County, it's too? in Carroll County. Uh, the Mount, the St. James Missionary Baptist Church had a um, had a big had had the church up there, and they had a cemetery. A lot of the a lot of that cemetery on that side of the road, of course, was very old, and those were not there were no markers, right? Or they were wooden markers, and they had. Are there any records? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but the the county uh, the guy who's in charge of the maps down there redrew some maps and he gave the land away to this guy who put his his family plot on top of it so now it's got his wife and his i think his mother and sister on it that's it but his wife is buried like right at her foot is a is a marker that's laying down almost obscured in the grass that's of an african-american who they just buried, buried these there. folks on top of them oh hell yeah hmm so, uh, anyways, we I went up to him, and I was like, do you realize this was a, a sacred ground to someone else first? I don't care. I'm like, you don't? He's like, nope, I don't care. And he's got, you know, everything that indicates where his leanings are, including his don't tread on me flag up in his front yard. And I was like, how do you feel about your wife being buried for eternity? I mean, yeah, that seems kind of counterintuitive. Right. In the arms of a black man. <laughs> yeah. Well, he turned around and ran inside. Well, Mary Frances said something a little bit more direct. Uh, she used a few more colorful terms, and uh, she looks just like John Hurt, by the way. Okay. It, it really, it's very interesting how much she, I mean, you know, genetics are, are, are wonderful things. Anyways, the guy went and slammed the door. I thought he was coming back with a gun. So this summer when we did the, the dedication where we put up the Mount Zion Memorial Fund, we wanted to preserve across the street that is definitely still in the family. We we made a marker that's about almost five feet tall. We uh, commissioned um, the Marble Works here in Columbus, and they came down and helped us, and they installed it. It's a beautiful monument, and it lists all the names of the families that are buried in there, up there, the Becks, the Richardsons, the, the Hertz, the Conleys, all these families. Mm-hmm. And they're all interrelated. You know, they're cousins, brothers, sisters, whatever. And um, to protect that piece of land forever. I mean, essentially what happened is, so we have all these people marching up, and there's people from Italy and people from France, you know, news agencies there, 
Mary Frances is taking all these people up there to dedicate this monument and the couple that owned the land across the road that was actually given to them they didn't buy it it was given to them by the by the board of supervisors they had a big old orange extension cord you can't come up here i'm like oh god it's the best part of mississippi yet again and you can imagine some of the language that came out and 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 the best part is it's on youtube these people are captured on youtube forever for their stupidity where can we go see that um, it's not on my it's not on my YouTube site. But I can find it for you. Okay, but it's just, I would like to see it's, that. It, but what was fu- what's funniest is Mary Frances asks the, this Italian. These two Italian reporters were walking along, and a filmmaker, <clears throat> and they said they asked. I said, well, ask the Italian guy what he what the Italian newspaper guy what he said, and, and the other the other the interpreter goes. Uh, no, I can't repeat that. <laughs> so, anyways, it was, it, but it was just, you know, the part, yeah. the, the parts that are most colorful about us and most awful is, are, came out that day. Is Mississippi John Hurt in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? They have to mention him. Somewhere, I don't know, right? but you know what? You know what's the worst part? The uh, Grammy Museum down there. John Hurt won a Grammy. He won two, I think. I think both are. I know he won the Thumb Pickers posthumously. Um, so he's not in, he's not mentioned down in Cleveland. Huh? Anywhere. I why. But Willie Namur is, and the whole stuff about Willie Namur having gotten him exposure and gotten him picked, you know, winning that contest is a bunch of hogwash. So um, well, I'm not familiar with that story either. Well, it's just on the it's on the blues trail, the blues okay. marker. So hopefully, we're trying to get the blues marker not only changed but moved. So the the state has agreed that it needs to be moved. I don't know when it'll happen, but right now it's the blues marker to John Hurt stands in front of a place called the Valley Grocery Store, a, an all white owned grocery store in up in Valley in a place yeah. where he never could have gone in the store front or back door and he sure as heck didn't sit on the front porch and play the guitar like it's is claimed and that's where the blues trail marker is for john hurt and so we've been fighting for about mary francis has been fighting a long time but she and i went down to mdah and made an appeal and they agreed it needs to be corrected and moved it's always interesting to me when i go to a place and it's usually somewhere like clarksdale more so than down like Carroll County or somewhere because that's so far off the beaten track of you know because the delta is where people Mm go and you can walk down the street down there and at least a third of the people are going to be from Scandinavia or Italy last time I was there a guy was sitting with my dad at ground zero Germans it's the Morgan Freeman club Germans on one side on my side and Australians Mm-hmm. On my dad's side, mm-hmm. sitting in there. Who came to go to Clarksdale? Who came? Oh, yeah. to, who came to go? That's I always exactly tell them right. well, what you need to do is leave Clarksdale and go up to Jimmy Ducks, because <laughs> that's where the real that's where the real blues. But happens. I imagine having some of those th- that blues marker actually does drive some tourism. Well, it does. Maybe there, not a huge amount. But. Well, you know, you'd be surprised. There are people who follow the blues trail, and like this year, they might come and do the southern half of the blues trail. Uh-huh. They'll do down on the Gulf Coast. And then next year they'll come on their two-week vacation or three-week vacation, and they'll do the Delta part. And then the next time they'll come up and they'll do, you know, Memphis to Nashville, whatever. It's very interesting how, and that's why 
That's why it's important that we document these things. I mean, we have a blue show marker here, and yet, well, there's some. It's in front of white on business, but that's another story. It's on Catfish Alley, but it's not really on Catfish Alley, and it doesn't even promote Catfish Alley, even though it's Catfish Alley. It's Book of It's Book of Washington, Book of White's song. But right. anyways, which is just a. It's just an old song that he just put you know new words to, which which was very common. I mean, we still do that. Sure. Um, but you know, we have Big Joe Williams out in Crawford. Yeah. And we put a big monument up to him. It's out in a cow field. Uh, literally, there's cows out there, all around that, all in that pasture. We have um, Maurice King in Knoxby County. So we have tons between here and Knoxby County. Why weren't we don't have more blue signs? Is beyond me. I mean, King's buried out there. I mean, you've got the Howlin' Wolf stuff in West Point. Yeah, I know he wasn't really from West Point. Well, but, but well, he was. He was from nearby. He was from. I can't remember the name of the town. White Al- White Landing. Ah, uh, shoot. Anyways, it it is. I mean, it's Clay County. Mm-hmm. But we don't do anything with it. I mean, what's out on Catfish Alley right now? Nothing. Everything on Catfish Alley has been shut down and closed and killed. And then we have... You mean business-wise? Yeah. And then we have people like Nancy Carpenter, who doesn't want you there having we go. things there. <laughs> well, Catfish no, in the Alley, the, 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 big, uh, the big thing she does, it doesn't have anything to do with the blues. It doesn't even celebrate Catfish Alley. She just uses it well, to she, have an excuse to sell some T-shirts. Well, Shannon, let me say this. I went through today, and I listened to... Uh, I'd say 50% of your non-CVB, your history episodes, which I thought mm. were interesting. I listened to the one about... Hardy? No, the beating that was up here, the, the people, because that was right in front of my office where you're walking. Mm-hmm. My office is directly across from the Charter. Mm-hmm. And they came up there. It was were, Robert pa- Lee when he ran for, for sheriff. They were power washing the blood. I'm saying the oh, guy that got oh, beaten up uh, yeah. over the decorations. Oh, yeah. But I think I counted, and how many episodes have you done of your show? Like 80? I don't know. I, I do. I try and do one a day. I think it's like 78. You have 47 episodes that are about the CVB. <laughs> so tell me. So your I'm, office is downtown, right? So I listened to it. Well, let me say this. I listened to, not all of them, I'm not going to lie. I didn't listen to all of those. Mm-hmm. But I went through there. I keep up with the news. Mm-hmm. I worked in the city government for mm-hmm. a little bit. I've known them for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know people and the opinions and whatnot. So I listen to ones I thought had interest. You'll love tonight's. What is the what is your f- fascination with like breaking that, exposing it, however you want to put it? Your your personal fascination. Before with we get into that, for people who may not know what a, may not know what a CVB or any of this stuff means, can we do like the briefest overview of what it we're is talking the Columbus? about? Convention and Visitors Bureau. Whose job is to promote the city for tourism. To fill our Trotter Center with conventions and events. Okay. And to fill our town with visitors for our events. It's a local tourism board. That's local right. Local tourism. Yeah. And they get appropriated money from Four the city and the county that goes to them. Four million dollars. Tell me... What was the last convention you saw up at the Trotter Center? Maybe uh, before they tried no. to put the thing up here in the dilapidated uh, Elks Lodge. 
That doesn't count. They that's had not, one. That, they had one of those down at the Trotter previously. No, no, no. What do you call that? No. What do they you? Had a big that's old fight the arts over and antique. That's <laughs> arts and antique. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, so what was the last convention? I have no idea. Convention. But I'm not probably the best person to ask. But, but you should you should notice there should be banners saying welcome. Okay, I'll, give you, like, I'll, I'll say, give you an example. Like I had a friend. Mm-hmm. There was also a coworker of mine that started a comic book convention, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. had Wade and I used to go to. Talking about Brandon. Talking about Brandon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had in the downstairs of the Trotter. It was mm-hmm. well attended. Mm-hmm. It was packed to the mm-hmm. rafters. There were, but it was probably 2016 or so, somewhere yeah. around there. And they mm-hmm. had it there for I think two years, and it, they outgrew it. They moved out because he worked at the community college. They mm-hmm. had it, that new building at the mm-hmm. community college, and I'm sure they let him have it there for free. Probably. But and it was still well attended a lot of people were there they had celebrities in the genre there now he passed away and they didn't have it Mm -hmm. that's something i could think of that so did nancy help him at all did she help him connect to the hotel owners the restaurants no earthly idea no she doesn't you know why she literally has said she's on public record as saying i don't do tourism well then what okay again a background for nobody people who don't know what this is we keep using the word Nancy. Okay, Nancy Luke Carpenter. She's the director of the Columbus Convention and, and Visitors Bureau. Fair to say, CVB. you don't think the CVB is well run. I do not think <laughs> that the, the current director is doing her job. I guess my question is, Shannon, is you know, there's other things you note on there about city uh, Pierre Beer Councilman Ward Four of Columbus and yeah. his escapades, right? There's a to me having lived here. I'm a, a live here business owner here there's a lot of stuff that somebody could dig into and mm-hmm. i'm getting there okay so i guess my thing is what is your why have you selected that as your topic du jour for right now because she needs to go okay uh there is some malfeasance with funds uh that can be directly attributed to her direction there is also criminality or suspected or yet to be proven or just not being spent the you way you suspect want. malfeasance is that what you mean no i can pretty i have one today that's going to be on tonight's episode okay. that i can pretty much nail <laughs> okay. to okay. the wall um and that one i mean and it it might seem small potatoes but fifteen thousand dollars is fifteen thousand dollars to sure. a non-profit group i agree and that is supposed to have gone to them. Um, there are she plays favorites. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she. I guess let me say this. She has had a board who has allowed her to behave this way up until recently. Okay, I mean I would tend to agree with that. I guess my thing is just in being a nihilistic or cynical person mm-hmm. that I am. A lot of times I see people like you, but not you. It seems mm-hmm. who when they get on some type of a crusade like that a lot of times it's a personal matter i guess is the way of saying. i don't know you her know. from adam's house cat okay. okay that 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 was kind of was it. you have no personal nope. okay. I've, I've talked to her maybe three times face you just to think face. that that in the civic nature of what they all should be doing in enhancing columbus she's done it poorly correct they have become due to the prior board uh-huh. members right they somehow allowed her to get into the business of acquiring real estate and not one tracking how that money was invested. I listened to, or I listened built. to some of those that you that you talked about that. And now that real estate is a detriment, and they haven't been good stewards of that 
real estate. Mm-hmm. Now, when people want to purchase that real estate and do something that would bring in business, let's say a boutique hotel, and a and that could use the Elks Club as a uh, as an event center mm-hmm. restaurant part of their, and instead she she actually told them she owned the Elks Club, which isn't true. I went and I went to public records. That's everything I, I rely on is public records. Sure. Um. So I went and looked up the public records. She didn't own it. The CBB owns it. It's, but it's, um, you know, it, my 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 next crusade you'll love. It's this down here. The Burns Bottom. Yeah. And what what is your um, sticking point on that? On the Burns Bottom. Uh-huh. Well, they wanted to do all this stuff with it, and now suddenly there's parceling parts of it off to sell it. Uh-huh. There again, they got in the business of buying up property that is. Whatever case it was in, as far as uh, state of of existence, the owners were still paying tax, paying taxes on it. What taxes have been collected on this piece of land for the last? How many years have they had this piece of land now? Seven or eight? I don't, I don't know. I think they've kind of piecemeal been buying it. But you wouldn't think that that's just in that specific instance might be part of. It's part of a bigger what, what problem. A blight removal program would do. I mean, at some point, they that it's got they've got to transfer from non from tax paying people to a non tax paying entity to hopefully to a to be redeveloped to another tax paying entity. Go look up who owned those pieces of property, who bought those pieces of property before they turned around, and and how it was acquired, and then how it was sold. Okay. And then who made the most money off it? Always follow the money. Well, I would agree with that too. So yeah, that's sure. part that's part of my investigative work is following where the money went and who's making the money off of it and where the money's going. And then um you know, we we start a lot of boondoggles here in this town. We have the amphitheater over there. That's as an engineer, that I just be, I just laugh my tail that off. Would at that would be one I would I would take a closer look at. Myself. But it but it's all part it all fits together. It's a it's the whole thing of we're going to get all this stuff, we're going to do all this stuff, but nobody follows through. Not even the CVB. Well, you know, you don't think that's just a. I mean, in my experience, a lot of that is representative of a per, not of a personal deficiency. I.e., most people don't follow through with shit. And, and so when they're in charge yeah. of something, when they have four million dollars of my money, or twelve million dollars of my money, or eight million dollars of my money, I'm not and your money you. yeah. and your mm-hmm. money. I do take it personally. I do. I absolutely do. And the other thing is, is you know, I grew up here. I know what this town can be i know what it was in the 80s and where the direction was going and i don't know what the heck happened and i know it's not my fault because i wasn't here um maybe it was my fault i didn't stay and raise holy hell but nobody else seems to be as interested in raising cane and then all of a sudden i start raising cane and other people start writing about it other people start questioning it all it takes what is it, the butterfly effect? All it takes is sure. one little moth wing. I'm that one little moth wing. I'm not afraid. I have people who tell me, oh, don't write about that person. Uh-huh. You might end up dead. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I have been told that. I've, I've heard similar things, too. And I, I just a... laugh because I'm 61 years old. You can kill me once. I can die once, but my words will live forever. So, so, I mean, I'm... I get your point. Sunshine is the best sanitizer. Absolutely. You're, shining, you're yeah. shining the sunlight onto these uh-huh. I'm curious if you feel the same way because I, I, I truly believe this, and I've had a little bit to do with, with uh, local government in a very minor capacity, but I was a reporter and TV news producer around here for a while. Um, and in my experience, it's very rarely, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it, 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 it's rare, that it's actual 
criminal intent, and it's 95% of the time pure incompetence mm-hmm. is why things inept, happen. Incompetent, yeah. although I will say there has been a concerted white-collar criminal element that has pervaded public monies in this community. Can Historically, you an, can you give an example of that? That's pretty heavy. Well, all you got to do is go back to the Dixie Mafia. I mean, this is—I mean, this is not something oh, new. Okay. You know, Alfred Wright, who had—you know—was right across the river forever. I mean, there—you know—heck, um, when I was a kid, I used to remember going to the bootlegger. I mean, we've always had these people who are around the outside of it, putting pressure on good people in public office to do little thing here and a little thing there well those little things become dominoes you just mean good old boy club stuff yeah mostly okay good old there's a lot of good old girl clubs but a lot of i guess my kind of thing and having been around people is that the people who quote unquote are the good old boys don't run the city government anymore unless you're saying they do yeah. That's exactly you mean the, what the you're old saying. the old white people that were the good old boys told well, you you said you put a color to it I don't the Dixie Mafia well, was I'm saying white, the people that you named in those examples were all white people Dixie Mafia was but yeah. not I wouldn't I would say I mean Leroy Brooks told me once he said uh, he said uh, politics of the black community is a blood sport and all you got to do is watch the elections and mm-hmm. and in there's I mean this community has always since uh, since desegregation has has fought gerrymandering I mean they've 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 fought to create some parity mm-hmm. but just like in the white community you're, you, black black communities aren't immune to yeah they're not as unified as we sit around and think they are no not yeah. at all I, I think. Remember Ike Brown, oh, yeah. who's head of the Democratic Party in Knoxby County, and he got in all that trouble for uh, election. It wasn't tampering; it was intimidation, right? Yeah. They used the vote. It was the first case they used the Voting Rights Act against the yes. African American in the country. Yeah. I think he said them. something to the equivalent of "Everything y'all are accusing me of doing, I learned from these white exactly. guys." Exactly. Well, but I've had people that I'm not going to name on the show, but black local politicians that have told me that that have said, "Y'all been doing this." Exactly. The yeah. whole time. Now it's our turn. Which, I mean, I'm kind of a realist. That's the way politics works. It's always But that doesn't mean I have to like it no, or it tolerate it. I'm so, not saying you should. So, so, I guess. Wa- so rather than sitting, me, I don't sit around and go, well, that's the way it's always been. Well, yeah, but that's the way it's always been because people have lived in fear or intimidation or they worry about having a job or they're worried about their kids getting on the sports team because that person coaches them there's all this pressure but don't you think unless the stuff just hits like your average voter in the face the real problem is abject apathy and ignorance that anything is no, happening in the first place most people most human beings are cowards I'm just gonna be truthful. Okay. Uh, I, you wouldn't. You mean? Be- to, but I, I don't mean. I mean. I mean. Okay. It's cowardly if you know something's happening and you don't do anything about Correct. it when you feel like you should. What I mean is they are, for whatever reason, ignorant that anything is happening at all. Ignorant of how local politics work. Ignorant of how government works. Unless they are dealing directly with a thing. Then all of a sudden, you will see people Like if they lose a up. bid that they should have gotten or something. Or if, or, you know, or if the, the county's decided to take some property of theirs. Those yeah. kind of, or This annexation thing is a perfect it's, example of that. Which is just that. stupid. It's all about trying to... to I, I'm not a fan of it. Because we can't 
police the, I don't, the I property don't, we have. I think it's inconscionable to, to not ask the people who live in the Correct. places you're trying to annex whether or not they want to be they annexed. They will. They have to yeah. by law. Uh, no, actually, they'll go to court, and then y'all can go to the courthouse. This is what was explained to me by multiple people. They won't. There won't be like a bond. Like you won't go and ask them that you. They will have a day in court, and the county has as much a day in court. And the county leadership can. They don't have any more of a vote than anybody else, and they'll go in and they'll plead their case, and that's how it's going to be decided. A judge makes the decision. Pretty much. I just think you know from what I've read, and I've done no. Yeah, me research, either. but that you know, it's going to be a net negative financially for the city. Well, what's going to happen? Here, here, here's what it, here's what it they, boils I down to. I thought the idea was they were going to get two hundred sixty thousand dollars in additional tax revenue. No, if that's they did a bit, this. bunch of BS. Okay. Most of the people who live over there, one, are non-voters, but there's a community that thinks that they will get more voters in the city. And swing so, black voting districts. That's why yeah, they're trying to do it yeah. out in East Columbus to tw- flip rusty seat. That's what they want to do. I got you. In my opinion, that's probably, that is okay. exactly that's, that's it, what they'll uh, try to do is to flip that that three seat or it or buff up the two seat, which is Joseph Mickens' seat because yeah. it's small, and it, and it's, dwindling, and he's yeah. vulnerable. And yeah, and and I mean, I've heard Mickens say that that was the the point of it. Uh, I had uh, I had Leroy tell me he's like. He's like, this is not good, and this is all about creating um, the per- the perception that it will make so that Columbus always has a, a black mayor for going for it, which is ins- which he said, and I agree. It's insulting because that implies that uh, African Americans only vote for African Americans, and we know historically that's not true. I mean, the current mayor could not have gotten elected Correct. if black people didn't vote for him. Correct, and so it it, it, it it's. See, that's kind of what I'm sick of, and I, and I realize it's naive to say this, but I am very sick of this idea that there are basically two political parties that exist in this city and in this state and mm-hmm. in this part of the world, which are which are Correct. not Democrat or Republican. It's, it's black, black and white. Yeah, and it's and, stupid. And I, I, I find it irritating. I find it obnoxious. And I, I don't know how you move forward as a society that has the potential to be a true economic powerhouse in this country mm-hmm. until folks can realize at the end of the day we're all damn human beings and let's try to make that exactly work. and and you know and it's it, and it goes back to um it goes back to a lot of what i do and a lot of what i'm doing is, is i'm looking at stuff and i'm going god this is just stupid i mean that's where all this started i mean i came back and i'm going what happened to uh let's just start with pilgrimage Maybe pilgrimage is going out of style, but I will tell you it is a multi-billion-dollar pro- uh, business still. You may have someone at the t- at the tourism office that thinks it's gone out of style, but I'm going to tell you go to Savannah, go to Charleston, go to go to Natchez. Yeah. and there's ways you can modify and it you to can make, modify to make it. We yeah. have inclusive. more. We have more Victorian homes, right? That could have their own tour. Or we used to have walking tours, the star tour. We had the silver tour. Then we had the gold tour. We had all this stuff. And with what the, the Tales from the Crypt Project, the Math and Science School does, this area gets more national press and positive press associated with a pilgrimage than I would I would hazard to guess any other community this size in the country. And the, and the thing about the Tales from the Crypt is... We used to have, and I've been working, and this goes back to what my most recent thing on on the CBB. I'm working with a, a group of filmmakers here this week. They'll be here till like the 16th. 
it's filmmakers and a, a, a paranormal. They're paranormal filmmakers for a documentary and paranormal podcasters. So were they ghosts themselves? Or they no, just they're real people. <laughs> so the one guy, he has his downloads. He's like the authority on Bigfoot, which cracks right. me up. Um, and we have our own cryptid type stories on the Tom Bigby and stuff and in the area. But that's not what he's here for. He, I mean, he is, but he isn't. He's he's here to tie in the history of our town and the houses that have allegedly ghosts in them. Go, go, like ghost story legends. Yeah. yeah. And, and But tying it all together, what is the common theme here? And the common theme is that human beings have been fascinated with death forever, right? Sure. So, uh, but there's big money that we're leaving on the table because we used to have a ghost and legends tour. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and that was very big, and it was sold out every year until somebody took over the office up there, and she doesn't like it. But a lot of that, I think, is just because she doesn't like to plan, and there's a lot of work that goes into it, and it's not her favorite thing to do. So when she's not swanning about over at Mississippi State, and where she does all her shopping and everything else, um, she doesn't buy her liquor in Columbus. Um, you know, instead of being invested in our town... And, and the potential, that is a multi-billion dollar industry. And instead of tapping in on a tiny piece of that, we're leaving money on the table. Can I just want to say one thing and, and continue whatever path you want to go down. Nancy Carpenter's always been really nice to me. She's personable. No one said she wasn't. She's just not good at her job. Okay. I mean, I mean let's just be honest. I mean, She'd be a great greeter at Walmart. I mean, so for all for all the tourism she's brought here. So, do you really think, though, that just moving that one component and putting somebody else in is the key to fixing all these problems? It's a start. It's a start. But that's happening, isn't it? Uh, Well, with this person, she has ways, and I'll believe it when I see it. She's supposed to be out March thirty first, but she's moving over to the Tennessee Williams Building, and she's going to be on. She's going to be their director for the visitor center which she tried to give away by the way she tried to give it back to MDOT did you know that? she tried to give Tennessee Williams building back to MDOT without even telling anybody I mean was there a reason? yeah she was mad because she was told she wasn't going to be paid to be the director of both the Tennessee Williams center and the CVB and so they were going to take money out of her pocket she couldn't do that anymore because the state ethics committee said that was unethical for them to be in charge of both entities mm-hmm. and have the same board at one point the same board was both and so they said she couldn't do that and she got mad and that's when she decided she said well then let's just give it back to MDOT so she contacted MDOT and was going to give it away except a couple of people on the board found out about it which she then got them off the board well that that kind of brings up an interesting question to me is that unless I'm mistaken you've got the city votes for a portion of their for, of that board. Mm-hmm. The county votes for a mm-hmm. portion of that board, and they have like a mixed, an uh, at-large seat mm-hmm. or something. Correct. What is what is their response? I've seen the city and county governments. Are they just so they're, busy they're, with other things, doing other things? Do you know? There are, as a whole, I think the leadership of both places would like to see her gone. Everybody is afraid because she's friends with uh, Tate Reeves. Uh-huh sister-in-law and brother 
Okay. She okay. she goes to their box seats at baseball, and so they think there's this perception that she has more power and connections. I mean, she helped host the governor's wife's left foot tea. I don't know whatever it was called. Anyways, uh, a, a big tea, and she's she's involved in the Republican Women's Organization down in Jackson. And so there's this perception that she's has this. There's going to be political repercussions. Yeah, which is stupid. Okay. Because I'm sorry. The governor's got a heck of a lot more on his plate. And by the way, his brother-in-law's got a whole lot more on his plate and try, probably trying to stay out of jail over his deal with uh, Brett Favre. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if there's any more taint to anything, I'm betting they're going Nancy who? You know, when she calls. So I, I don't understand. Uh, well, they did get the, some members on that board recently who were not, I mean, I think it's fair to oh, say sympathetic. To, yes, to yes people. Yeah. I think they are fair. I, I, so uh, I think there are people on the board and on the executive committee of that board who are fair and honest and sometimes vote with her and sometimes vote against her for the right reasons. I think they try and do the right thing. And I think... They understand that it's time she goes, that it's good for Columbus, and it's good for for tourism in this town for a shift. Well, you were saying something earlier that kind of struck me, because you said, and I remember how it was in the 80s, and it was it was better than it is now. And my recollection, because I grew tourism. up around here, too. Okay, well, tourism. maybe not, that, because I can remember before um, Jan Miller and... Um, Jan Slope? Chris Chain redid downtown. Mm-hmm. Like, it was scary to go downtown. Like, it was not a place you... When I was a little kid growing up, living out in the county, we didn't go downtown. You certainly didn't go down Catfish Alley. I can remember being a kid, and we were doing something at the Trotter, some school thing, and people were betting one another to go out in the alley because the idea was you were immediately going to get murdered. Now, that's probably ridiculous and, and yeah. absurd. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean yeah. it was just really dumpy because I grew but it up was, on South it was, Side. It was yeah, definitely, I grew up on 3rd Avenue South. It was so. definitely where, the where impression. Where did you grow up on 3rd Avenue South? Uh, right behind Brookshire's, pretty much. Okay, I grew up on 3rd Avenue South and 7th Street where they were um, across from Ames I Love. Oh, okay. I know which house you were in. So the Evanses were, the Evans boys were, were in that house kind of next to you, the Hortons, Jeff Horton had. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Evanses lived down there. I was, you know where the Searcy and Rice building, the Searcy building on 3rd? Yeah. I was right across the street in that big red brick house. My parents renovated that from. Wowzers. What year was that? I grew up there in the... 70s. Yeah. I, I mean, I graduated high school in 1980. That yeah. can tell you how old I am. Okay. I'm older than dirt. So my parents would have fixed that house up in the late 70s, Carter okay. administration. Yeah. And moved in there. Yeah, we were we were living we were living there then. But um, yeah, people forget about that. that don't remember that Dairy Fresh Brookshire's was there. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember. Milk I remember plant. That. And we went yeah, on field trips over there. Stunk and yeah, ran was, their diesel it, trucks all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the generators it running. I don't remember being dangerous so much. Wait, it's just being a lot of it. Was very dumpy. I remember the, the the impression for people who, because I mean, I'm out in New Hope. Who came in was that it was. Well, God, and we were dangerous. terrified at New Hope. So I mean, a lot of it is just cultural. <laughs> yeah, I think stuff. you're probably right. But I mean, I grew up. I rode my bike all over downtown. My mother was the managing editor of the of the newspaper. She okay. was the first woman who was a managing editor of a daily paper in the United States who was not either married to or related to the publisher or the editor. Well, that's neat. So that must be where some of your journalism I literally, comes from. Well, yeah, because I don't have a degree. Remember, I didn't do right, I, right. I did just the opposite. But I grew up in that newspaper office. I mean, my mother, every other Sunday, her column was about my antics. I grew up on the river. 
I grew up, there used to be a, a, a swing over there, and, you know, we used to go down the bank and hang Dump out on a swing. Yeah. We, used to hang, we used to crawl under the bridge that they're working on, you know. So I don't remember it, I mean, just like any other town. I mean, there were, you, there were I learned to pitch pennies <laughs> mm-hmm. behind the Parker Furniture right. on the wall there, and I got, you know, tore up for doing that. But it, it was a very colorful and fluid community okay. i mean everybody went to the jones restaurant yeah and fridays you went i went when i was a kid i used to pull catfish out of the river and sell it to the ladies who were who would buy my catfish out of the back of the jones restaurant and then they they'd grill them out front and from all, myself and some other fishermen so we all i mean i i don't i'm not saying it was perfect or idyllic or any of that i mean sure. i know i know the cultural and racial you know uh, inequities that existed in this town, but we had a thriving downtown. We did because we didn't have the mall until the 70s, and then when it flooded, we stood it out. <laughs> <laughs> we watched the Magnavoxes float down on you know on right. national television out out the street. But we had so much, but there was more community then, and we've lost a lot of that community. And it was black and white. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is my husband is from England. And so the first time I brought him here was when we moved here from Mexico. So that was culture shock for him because he's from was. Manchester, England. And, he, and you know, all he's ever heard is how, you know, how racially divided the South is. The first winter we came here, it was the end, it was the end of COVID. We're standing out. We're sitting on the wall of First Presbyterian Church white black everybody watching the christmas parade yeah. it was a daytime parade the everybody was cheering on the kids from the different bands from motley from columbus high from new hope all these and it was just lots of families and people were calling to each other people who knew each other from their businesses their churches i mean churches here were not integrated at all until now so we we need to rebuild that sense of community and then and i think that's a big piece and and having civic pride we've lost that civic pride well let me ask you this you are um you're pretty passionate about pointing out things you have issues with is there are there good things happening in this community oh yeah i think so i mean i think um i i honestly think there's some there's some things going on in the different schools. Uh, I'm watching what's happening at Franklin. I'm watching what's happening happening down at Joe Cook. I see, you know, happy, healthy children who are eager to go to school in the morning and learning. And we need to figure out how to transfer that to once they, I mean, of course, middle school's the black hole of life. But, you know, transfer that to the high school. I see what's going on out at the county and so many of the kids are are, are uh, at the high school getting college credit and going out to EMCC and the partnerships. And um, I, I think we need to grow more of that. And the other thing is we need to grow more service-oriented. We used to be a very service-oriented community. And there are a handful of people who are doing some great things. And I think they need more support. And uh, it's easy to be complacent. Yeah. You know, everybody's... And see, I blame a lot of things on that. I blame a lot of things on complacency, mm-hmm. apathy, and ignorance. Well, and a lot of it is just, uh, it's easy to stay home. Yeah. And it's it's hard work to... Be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Chop up apples and make soup. We don't see a lot of that around. I mean, 
there are it's always the same people but i think that's true in a lot of communities it's always the same people doing the same thing and we need to change that well speaking of community um i don't know if y'all heard or not but our university in this area mississippi university for women has just announced that after two years worth of deliberation they have decided on a new name for the school in an effort to attract more students and uh better represent its mission and the name they have chosen is mississippi brightwell university and i'm curious shannon what do you think about that you really want to know what i think (laughs) i think it is somebody's marketing i think an mba fresh out of school said i think we should do brightwell because you know we use light from light and somehow we get brightwell from light from i don't know it's i think it's a stretch what they have decided to do you to, agree that they should change the name at all? Absolutely, and I think yeah. 90% of the alumni agree that they need to change the name. I think what the pushback is, and I saw the poll today, and I think 80% of the respondents on every poll I've seen are against the new name. The new name is um, devoid of any history of the state, of anything to do with education that I can find, and as an educator, I take big offense with that. What is worse is that they pretended to invest in the alumni's opinion, and they gave us a couple of polls. They also asked for specific feedback. Um, and then... Like potential name selections, mm-hmm. you mean? Yeah, yeah okay. some of it was regional. Some of it was like Callaway University. Uh-huh. Some of it was like Mississippi University. And all these different options. And Brightwell was not on a single list I ever got, and I've talked to lots of people. So it felt like bait and switch. That was bad enough. So they make this announcement. So then the uh, Alumni Association sends out a letter back to the alumni that had said, hey, you know, we don't like how you did this. We don't say you don't need a new name. We agree. But it's like you've totally negated and forgotten every piece of history. That is a cutting-edge, historic school for all its things, whatever anybody wants to say. You know, we talk about inclusivity, and that's part of their mission. And suddenly, they became exclusive and decided what was best. And they said, essentially in their alumni letter, that the way it came across was, yeah, we heard what you had to say, but we didn't care what you said. We decided this, and this is the way it's going to be. And that's kind of how it comes across, and the alumni are pissed. You mean the letter from... The who? Alumni Association. The alumni Association to individual alumni. That to the alumni, the yeah. Okay. And that was, I guess, yesterday's knee-jerk. Um, Do you think most of the people feel like you that... Because I'm kind of of this opinion. Most people don't like things to change at all. They like their rut. They like things. Correct. And so anything that is a change, they kind of we all knew it was and, coming. And say, I don't, I don't care for this. No, we were we were excited about the change. The alumni were involved. The alumni were excited about the change. Do so you feel that they were the community the bait was and ex- switches that you were provided a list of. And Brightwell wasn't on it. Brightwell, no okay. version of Brightwell. It wasn't okay. well bright. It wasn't okay. light. It was nothing. Okay. The list was things like Northeast Mississippi University, okay. the University of Eastern Mississippi. There was I like mean, a Southern Appalachia on there too, uh, uh, which yes. was the funniest one. Yeah, that was I thought because there's some, every mind, but the See closest Appalachia. Yeah, no. <laughs> what's the highest point in Mississippi? I think it's 300 feet above sea level. 861, I think. I think Mount you're Woodall. right. Yeah, yep, you are absolutely right. So there's nothing that you know. I'm like, 
none of it. And the other thing is, is here we are, we're talking about, we've been talking about minorities all day and underrepresented people. Women are underrepresented. Sure. Here we had a university that was founded because women were underrepresented, and women had no place to go to school. Well, let's be a little bit fair about well, wait that. A minute. That's not why the w, that's not why the W was founded. It was a finishing school for ladies. Well, that was the uh, well, that was the the first version in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Well, that, but it was still founded for girls. Sure. That's true, and that was a very rare thing. Just it like was having the first, the first like having the first, the first elementary school that was free to the community. I sometimes forget we have people like around the world who who, who listen to this. It's like around the world. It's like two people in Germany, <laughs> and so I worry about the two people in Germany. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, uh, Columbus is home to something called the Mississippi University for Women, which is the first publicly funded women's college in the United States of America, founded in 1884. It was was founded, it was passed in Congress on the same day that Union Academy was passed. Okay, so it was, it was, uh, it's it's very historic, it's a beautiful campus um, on the, the south side of Columbus. Um, in 19 and, and in the 70s, it changed its name to the Mississippi University for Women. Um, in 1982, there was a lawsuit because a young man wanted to get a nursing degree from, and we call it the W, from the W. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said the W had to start letting men in. Men in, and it's just kind of been. And then he never. I don't think he ever. He, actually he didn't enrolled. go to school. <laughs> he didn't go to school. Didn't go to school. Um, or he enrolled, and never attended class. That's right. I have a degree from the W. Um, and for years, there's been this talk about changing the name to better reflect what it does. I'll say this: I don't. No, I. I, I wouldn't. My, my first reaction to the name was kind of like, "Huh, too." Okay, but I would rather it be Brightwell than not change. Well, I, and no I worry that if there's all this guff and hubbub about it, and the legislature hears it. And they say we don't want this. Then they're going to shut no, it the down. The legislature was already. I'm, I'm going to tell you, the legislature already. Pro- they had probably already gone before they made the big. But if there's enough stink, surely made they about would have. I mean, I, would I don't hope think so. they care. I don't honestly think they care. You know what I think was going is going to end up happening, is that this is going to be just like every other name change we've had, and Brightwell or whatever the heck we want to call it, and I think Mississippi State, we're going to become Mississippi State's East Campus or something, and I think that's. Overdue. I think in the long term, you because can probably of Brightwell expect or just no, because that was an because that of was an inevitability. And in, I think it's an inevitability. They've lost most of their. They've they're going to continue to lose their endowments. I think they'll lose a lot of money over Brightwell, and this the gov the board of governors doesn't seem to want to fix anything. We have students over there without heat, without adequate air conditioning or heat in their dormitories. We have we have buildings that are condemned on that campus because of the tornado. We have, which happened in two thousand and one. Yeah, I think that's right. We have, um, I mean, that's two whole dormitories. That's Fant Dorm, and I can't remember the other one. Peyton, because I lived there. I went to MSMS, the Math and Science School, and that's where I lived. And then the tornado came. The 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 School for Humanities is in painter is that the name of the building i can't remember it's right behind what used to be called uh whitfield auditorium mm-hmm. now it's rent rent whatever um but they have made some improvements at least to the physical plan i mean they demolished they, the two uh dormitories there and built the culinary arts they mm-hmm. renovated the demonstration no they added. They renovated one end of demonstration. The other side of demonstration, the books and the. It still looks like. I mean, you can go in there. The chalkboards are still up. They're still writing on the chalkboards. There's books laying there. 
demonstration has not been. And by the way, do you know that most of where all of that, of what where demonstration and all that is, those were all African-American homes. That was a community. Where the, and they, they where bulldozed the, and built the dem school? Oh, not just the dem school. They also built uh, the uh, faculty Wilson housing, the faculty housing, okay. the communications building, all of that. And part of that, of course, further on down used to be the school had a farm. To, to feed fresh vegetables and stuff to the to the students. I didn't know that. Yeah, but um, Puckett House was moved to where it is. But there were a handful of of homes closer to college that were middle class white homes, and then the rest of it were were middle class African Americans, and it was a very affluent. Was this business in the sixties or seventies when they did this? Up until the sixties. Okay. But but that piece was torn down in in like nineteen I would say nineteen oh eight, nineteen oh nine. Oh where, wow. Where, because okay. that's when Dim School was put in. Okay. Um, so more than a hundred years ago. Yeah, but they did take you know that that south that very south end of what was Dim School and then they put up the speech pathology school, which is great. I don't have a problem with that. But it's the fact that you still have students that don't have adequate housing. You still have students who are worried about their safety on campus, or the, not not their personal safety so much as the safety of their personal items, the cars that get broken sure. into. You know, there's there's no. I don't. Last I looked, there were no cameras up or anything, and you know the lighting is. I mean, it it's an it's a beautiful older campus, but they are investing in new things while not being good stewards of the things that are historic that that have still have usability and purpose well i would i would say this and and, and just you know for the record my um mom went to the w mm-hmm. i went to high school at the w mm-hmm. i've got a degree from the w and i worked at the math and science school for almost mm-hmm. 10 years that mm-hmm. place is like home mm-hmm. in many ways for me um college budgets and what they're allowed to appropriate funds for and what they're not allowed to appropriate funds for is deeply, deeply complicated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's easy to see, because look, I agree with you. I, I'm, I've, I've been on a, a, a rant about getting the residence halls for the high school kids to go to the math mm-hmm. and science school fixed for years and years. Mm-hmm. It's and an embarrassment. It's, it's wild. But it's not like the president of the W can wave a magic wand. How much and money fix did it, it cost for this new marketing ploy to get Brightwell out? I don't know, but I would. I do think that speaking of the marketing stuff, I work at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. in a basically I'm a glorified recruiter. Okay, okay. so I go to a lot of college fairs. <laughs> I feel so bad for the people at the W booth. Mm-hmm. Because it says Mississippi University for Women on top of it, and not a soul walks up to that Mm -hmm. thing. Because what do you think? If you don't live, this is the thing that I think people in this community have to understand. If you get outside of a 50-mile square radius of Columbus, nobody knows what the W is. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Nobody. And what I think they're trying to do in terms of naming it this is a couple of things. One, I think everybody always says about the W is it's like this wonderful little private liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the feel you get from it. And so I think they're leaning into that with the name. Number two, I think from a marketing perspective, the most catastrophic thing you can do is do some geographic locator. Because if you don't differentiate yourself mm-hmm. from the rest of the universities in this state, everybody thinks you're Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Including Mississippi State, by the way. Mm-hmm. You get outside of the, 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 mm-hmm. the contiguous states in uh, to Mississippi, nobody knows what anything is other than Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And so... That's my guess as to why they're going for this, what some people would so call extreme So why not go with Callaway name. or 
or King Cannon unit. My, I mean, I'm not saying that's what they should. My guess is, my guess is, is you can knock around some skeletons in a closet of any of those people and find something distasteful that might make it politically incorrect to have perhaps that person's name. Perhaps we also have the African American. Uh, they were names? massive don't. Well, yeah, the Callaways were and the King Cannons, but they were for some of the people who who started um, the university. Why not go with one of the African American women who the one of the first? I think it were five African American women who integrated the university. Why not use one of their names? They would have allowed it. The ones that are still the four that I know of would have. I mean, why not find something? You know, in Texas, there's a there's a women's college there. Yeah. It's men and women. Nobody's changing their name. And they're not losing money. Is it a public university or uh-huh. private? It's, it's public. It's okay. I think, it's, I think I, it's called Texas Women's College. I, th- I think or Texas Women's University now. Okay. I think what I have an issue with, <clears throat> excuse me, is there's this implication because of the name, and they picked it, that these dumbasses at the W just made this dumbass decision without thinking about anything. I know some people up there and they're not dumbasses. No, they're not, but I think it was done in a vacuum. And I think that's the harm. I think that there I think that there was probably a significant amount of market research that went into this and I think that's the one that tested the best. That's what that that's why I think they landed on that. And because it, uh, if they didn't, by the way, I'll say this, if they didn't do that, then it's crazy, okay? I'm going to But gonna, I think I'm that they were prepared for this, this on the line. blowback. I'm going to put this on the line. Somebody somewhere is benefiting financially from the name Brightwell and I will wait. Whatever marketing company they paid to, to do I will it, I wait imagine. and see how that shakes out. Like in what way? I'm just Yeah, how would that. you how would you like they own the trademark or something. Okay. I'm just waiting there to see. There isn't an Atlanta financial company yes, called Brightwell. Financial Services. And, and I've got to go back and look. I am almost certain, and I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Don't you know? I'm not infallible. Hard as that may be to believe, <laughs> I know that 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 company, and if it's if it's who I think it is, is the same company that when we were making when you made your payment plan for your master's program a couple of years ago, you dealt with. I'm pretty sure it was Brightwell. So I'm, I'm pretty go, sure it's a financial technology company. I'm going to go and look because I talk, I remember talking to the lady and I took a screenshot um, because I was fascinated because I'm like. I mean, that's interesting. It'd be a stretch. It but, would be like naming your school Franklin Financial because they do your debt collection. Well, but, but, but my point is they didn't do it for that reason. Yeah. Somebody somewhere is making a dime off it. And here's my bigger question. And you said this. You said you fought for the kids at MSMS to have decent housing. I mean, they ha- I'm gonna tell you this: the the student center where they do the meals and stuff. Those and they put on some feast there. I mean, for for dormitory food, that was pretty good food. I I, I went. It's to a, a lot better than when I was going to school. Oh, it's there. a lot yeah. better than when yeah. I was a kid, and we used to go. We used to go down to the Goose and have a the, burger. It was called the Marriott. We used to call it the Rot back then. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I mean, you at least had you know. I had some. I'm, I have celiac disease, so I was able to just say, "Hey, I can't. I have celiac. How can you help me? Or do I need to bring something?" Because I was there for a um, a summer residential program as part of my master's. And so here are people coming from all around the country for this master's. And I was like, thank God we had good food because the paint is freaking peeling off the building that we're in where that houses the school for your master's of fine arts and creative writing. We didn't, 
they had the heat on the first week we were there. They still had they couldn't figure out how to turn the heat off for the HVAC because it was broken. This is a summer program yeah. in I'll Mississippi. I'll say this from my personal experience of working and dealing with government purchasing at all levels, from the federal government to the state government. One of the hardest things, types of money that, like the W or anybody mm-hmm. can get, is to build and rehab new buildings. It's very difficult to get money from the federal government or, like, say, the ARC or whatever is the channel in which the federal government is going to send money to, like, a state designated or a, an mm-hmm. organization like the ARC that can fund money. They, they, they could, they'll put computers in their desks, whatever they want, uh, smart boards, all the kind of stuff to enhance your classroom. But to fix the building up or build a new building is some of the hardest money to get mm-hmm. for somebody like them. I do, do know. I, do, I, do I know or wonder, to your point, whether they're, they're building a new building, which is going to have some you know, maintenance costs of fixing the old buildings? I would, I would say, I went up there, and I, you know, I'm not. A, my wife teaches at MSMS, but mm-hmm. I didn't go to the W. I'm not associated mm-hmm. with it. But I went over there. They had an event, and I went with another husband of a, and we were moving mm-hmm. tables and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I saw in this, there's uh, paint is peeling in mm-hmm. this and the other. They have to be aware of it. I don't think it's a dereliction of duty. It's I wonder, not a priority. But though. I wonder if they just don't have the money. I think that's a lot. Okay, of so I go back to. And, and they're sitting there and they're doing the I, I mean I have to believe just like this that they're doing probably doing the best with what they have how many students can the culinary arts program support a year do you I have? have no earthly idea I wonder what the enrollment is of the school or culinary arts the culinary arts I don't know I think there's about it's a mo- 2400 full-time students it's in that neighborhood right okay in neighborhood. that's of the whole university that's yes. not the culinary yeah, arts right. school the bulk of those are in the nursing program the others are in the school of education and then the rest are sprinkled about have you been to the culinary arts building i went to their grand opening holy cow Beautiful. Well, that's stunning. That's kind of the that's kind of one of those things where occasionally you can have a singular personality create something remarkable, and you can lay that in many ways at the feet of Sarah Lubinsky. Okay, did somebody donate that? She didn't. She start. She they brought her in. You talking the money? I think that's COVID money. I think that's COVID money given to the state. That well, the state I'm gonna tell out. you, I can go take a twenty-five dollar thing of caulking and go around the windows of the building. Just of the one room I was in, where I got my degree, where I got my English degree. Now I go there for it was bad when I got my English degree back in the nineties. Go back. Okay, I thought you were first talking about the culinary arts. No, 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 no. <laughs> the new with the okay. the new building's gorgeous. Okay, stunning. So you're building millions and millions I got of dollars. You. But so you're just we noting this dichotomy between caulking, brand new building. okay, because we have missing panes. Well, I can. I mean, one reason glass. is the the culinary arts program brings people to the university. Well, I'm gonna here's the truth about the W. It is a hard truth, but it's true. And if they don't figure out how to deal with this, then you're right. They're going to get swallowed mm-hmm. up by Mississippi State mm-hmm. or Southern Miss or somebody else. Mm-hmm. But there there are a few strata of students who go to that school. One of which is like you said, nursing. Right? Mm-hmm. It's got a fantastic nursing mm-hmm. program, and there are people who go to the W specific, now, specifically for for those kinds of things. Second strata are people who wound up there mm-hmm. because they either messed up at Mississippi State, they couldn't get in for one reason or another, and so they wind up going to the W mm-hmm. because of local reasons. Why would well, they, they go? Wind they up get there? a job. They they because, went to Mississippi State, and then. 
then they they go to EMCC, they clean up their act, they come here, that's they have exactly to get a job. Right. But I mean, what's advantageous they, about it? Cheaper. It's, okay. it's cheaper, right. okay. and it's cheaper. where you're working. A lot of them work okay. here in the community, and so they go to the W to get there a degree. Is, there are very, very, very few people, and it's part of it is a result of the geography, because the W is 25 miles away from Mississippi State. It's about 60 miles away from Alabama, you know, and Ole Miss Two is only hours, an hour and a half yeah. away. And so there are very, very few people. I'm not saying there are none, but few who who grow up thinking I'm going to go to the W. Well, the I, W. I wasn't going there. That was the last place I was I going. I mean, I mean, that's precisely what I'm saying. But the culinary school has done a good job in terms of being a competitive recruiting program mm-hmm. to get people in. They are probably if they, if there are they are making whatever money they're making. Revenues coming out of that nursing school and revenues coming out of that culinary school. I would be shocked. If they're, I don't know if they call it arts and sciences or humanities, college of humanities makes any money for them at all. I, I, I mean, it is not nearly as big as the nursing school. Certainly, but I will tell you and, that the and, mass. And back to your point about follow the money. In my experience in the university setting, the nicer buildings are the one that are, are the ones that are drawing people in, and that's why they're nicer. You go to Mississippi I, I State and take disagree. a and go over to the Bagley School of Engineering, mm-hmm. and it's like you're in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You go over to uh, uh, the Arts and Human, uh, yeah, Arts and Humanities. Bless them. It's in that. It's in Allen Hall. It mm-hmm. looks like it was yeah. built yep. in the. It, it looks like a Soviet. Gulag. That's exactly yeah. what it looks like. It's exactly. <laughs> what but it like. your students are not living in a culinary arts dormitory or a history dormitory. They're living in that regular is very dormitory. true. That and is very those true. dormitories are an embarrassment and so my, all i'm saying is it doesn't matter what you call the school you've offended mark he's leaving no, that's fine <laughs> he's got a tiny bladder <laughs> it doesn't matter what you call the school no one is disagreeing that the school needs to be renamed no one's for no one is saying that I don't think Brightwell is going to attract anybody any more than if you called it Northeast Mississippi University. This is how, see, and this is how cynical I am about that. I think unless you called it like the Doo School, the name doesn't matter. It just has to be a name. Well, well, let's let's go back. That that is not gender exclusive. So let's 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 take this this back to what the school has said is why they changed the name. Well, they got to say something. So That's hang, nonsense. So, That's complete nonsense. So hang on. So hang on. Let me go back. Let me let me put this in. in. <laughs> the school came back and they said, there are people who don't want to attend here because it is it says women on it. That's that ephemeral ephemeral people. Where are the statistics? I want to see the measurements and what tool did they use to gather that? So now we're going to say, okay, so Mississippi University, the people who are here. The people who graduated from here, male and female. And I have heard from males that they don't like the new name. We all agree. Sure. It needs to be changed. No one has a problem with that. What is the problem is that st- they they had data that they could have used to help them choose a name. They had a, they had a measurement tool. Now... We could go into the semantics of how accurate it was and how, you know. And it's and, really and hard to get. I mean, I can tell you how they did it. You, you get a survey pool. Your research mm-hmm. question is, 
uh, on, on a scale a of one I, to five, I how do likely? Have a master's in statistics. Well, there you I go. Do get how it. likely are you to attend a school called the Mississippi University for Women? Everybody said. Show me the data. But I, see, I don't know. I, I, I don't assume, think they have any. Or if they do, why aren't they sharing it? I, that again, would be the logical am, answer my, to my this argument. My biggest assumption, and if this is wrong, then I'm wrong. Leave for just a little bit, and y'all are getting all feisty. Then I'm wrong. <laughs> is that? I just asked what for the statistics. Have? It doesn't matter. Is that they are smart <laughs> enough? Beverage. They're at least smart enough to hire a marketing company who is going to 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 actually conduct those surveys rigorously. Okay. How many marketing companies have you ever worked with? A couple. But and what was your opinion of them as a? If you're talking about gathering data, it was actually pretty good. If you're talking about acting on the data that's different yeah. okay <laughs> we um, don't know what the data is because nobody's sharing it all i'm saying is they have not back to sunlight they were not they did it in a vacuum and i'll say this and the best thing they wrong. could do the best thing they could do is like look alumni here's what we've got this is what people said we surveyed 500 people in california and this is what but they came back they with. didn't do that with the letters that with the oh the rollout was a has been a disaster and I think they didn't do all of those things because I'm betting because Nora is not an idiot and if Nora had that data I think she'd be the one sharing it with and us and I'll say one more thing that I think is positive I feel is positive the marketing and potential recruiting data yeah that's what I said the, yeah, okay. I don't know that they have I don't you would I, think that would have been part of the rollout why how they would have presented it. Mm, I'm not me necessarily. Well, especially now that so many of us are, are, are complaining about it. I think what they think, and I think some of it is true, despite what you two think and me, I'm kind of ambivalent on, is that they were prepared for this. some tumult yeah. no matter what. Yes. That they, yes. meaning the administrators, the local legislature, whoever, is prepared for some tumult because that's what's happened before and it's... And, and people, like I said, people dislike change. So they're prepared for some tumult. They might know not know the uh, the intensity that you've described mm-hmm. of the tumult or the, the the breadth of it. All you have to do is look look on, on but they, social but, media. But itself. they but they were they were. I know that Nor Miller and the people there—they're smart people. They yeah. know that there's going to be some tumult, and so they just said, "Listen, we've got to weather some tumult." I'm imagining, we've got to weather it stand strong do this and if we're successful in whatever is like the machinations of this is going to help recruit these people these people these people and here's this three to five year plan to do thus and so right if they're successful then everybody is quiet so, I, I want i'm not saying that that is what they're doing i think they're weathering the storm from a, I think business, you're absolutely from a right. business perspective if i was sitting there I would agree on one that's kind on of one, my mentality if i was there what but, i would think but i think that's only one third of their funding where does their funding come from? It's not tuition. Tuition's important. I think that pays salaries. Whether Where does their money come from for their future, for any buildings, for anything they do? It is at the state. Where does it come from? Gifts and alumni. I bet you that's negligible for the size of their budget. It has to be. I don't think so. There have been some sizable. I mean, you have some. I mean, I'm just talking family. out of my ass because I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I what was the, so la- so what was the last big, the last big donation made? Like in the in the millions of dollars of the W. It's patently irrelevant. If somebody, well, g- hang on, hang on. <laughs> I know that. I know that there was a. And I can't think of the. I can't think of hey, who Miss it was. Miss School for Math and Science. Yay! Go MSMS. Um, what I what I do know is there was 
there was a huge rift a few years ago, and I can't remember the name. It was a very short-lived president of the university. Claudia Lambert. Wanted to take the money. Wasn't it? That and was, it might be yeah. that. She was the one that would walk around in her bare feet. Yeah. She wanted to take. She wanted to do some stuff that was unethical with the money that was the alumni money, and she wanted to co just mix it in with all the other. All monies. presidents want to do that. She was told she couldn't do that, so she wanted to take the. She tried to take the alumni. I think to court. I'd have to go back. That sounds that, vaguely that sounds familiar. Right. Yeah. And the alumni took their money, including people. I mean, some significant monies left the college at that point. And that was, it hurt them. And I'm afraid that could happen again. My, my concern is, I really, I don't have a dog in this hunt. I mean, my daughter went to Seattle U. You know, my, my son is went to Westminster. I mean, my, my kids didn't go to school here. They didn't even grow up here. They didn't grow up in the United States. My grandchildren probably won't go to school here. Be nice if they did, but I kind of doubt it. Sure. You know, um. What I care about is what happens if that university goes away? What if it folds? What happens if it folds? And colleges do fold all the time. I think, and it's I think that's not an unfounded fear. Not, not Perhaps not necessarily for them, but, I mean, it has been argued, vigorously argued since the financial crash in the mid-2000s. I don't know if y'all remember, but, I mean, there was a real effort by Haley Barber to close universities. Yes, he did. Yeah. Because of the how expensive i mean i don't know if he took it because it was the opportunity was, was right the was rumor was that it was gonna the rumor <laughs> was that southern miss was going to get the w that well, was see, the to me rumor. the rumor was that mississippi state was going to get the w well that and might I have been a was, time was, i think i think it was i think it was a lot closer than people thought and i think there was a rumor that you know probably 50 percent of the black colleges would have been folded into mm-hmm. the, each other or closed Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know Valley well, to, Valley State almost. I know Alcorn almost closed. And you know, I think right now, just my opinion, given the state of the universities, for something to close, it will be Delta State. That that will be. I don't know. Delta State's thriving right now. Have you been down there? They're you know Holy no cow. their their enrollment is like decreased in the last eight to ten years by yeah, but probably two thirds. I mean, I don't I don't think. I think the thing about the W, and I look, the only reason I'm saying is I looked at it recently. I had a long conversation with somebody that expressed a fear, the same fear you, you mm-hmm. have. And so I was at home, and I pulled up the numbers that are the, it's the federal reporting numbers that the universities have to report mm-hmm. to the federal government. And I pulled up the W's, and then I got onto actually the states, was all the state mm-hmm. universities and all their federal reporting numbers on enrollment. Mm-hmm. The W, outside of the big three, in has probably had the least drop, you know, because mm-hmm. you had a peak enrollment of college enrollment was like 2010, 2011 for the whole country. Yeah. Everything is on the downslide. Yeah. Wade knows this. Yes. You're just running out of kids. Yeah, the, children, kids the baby boomers' children, yeah. So the W might have dropped by 15 to 16% in enrollment. I'm telling you, I think Delta State has dropped by like 50%. Mm-hmm. Mississippi Valley State, uh, you know, really, the the historical black colleges of Mississippi have precipitously declined, other than Jackson State. Mm-hmm. Southern Miss has declined. Ole Miss, Mississippi State have grown. I don't think, and I could be wrong. I think the legislature faced with a choice of folding, closing, or whatever the W. You've got one historic women's college 
for historic black colleges, they will draw their knives on one or two of those. You're making before. the assumption that they're going to do something that's statistically rational. I think that the W is a <laughs> lot more is a lot more uh, vulnerable than you think it is because you're not going to close down politically any of the black schools. Yeah, they will. I think they will. I, I don't think, think they will. I think they'll Tate, ta- Tate Reeves will. I think they will. That's what I'm saying. I think that they will take a historical black school in Delta State and maybe one other one before they do. Uh, the W, because here's the thing about the W. The W has a very large black population, specifically black yes, women. Yes, it does. Yeah, That's it does. true. And here's the thing: you talk about making money. Colleges, specifically a college with the demographics of a W. Yes, they make a, they make money from tuition, but they make a lot of money from federal government, either yep. in loans that are guaranteed or because of Grants. the demo there of Pell Grants. Right, because yeah. of these children that are from the socioeconomic status that they come from, and it doesn't matter if they ever show up to class if they signed up and said they're going to the W. I, and they, I don't, and they, I can't remember what the uh, the the rationales are, how long they have to go, or whatever. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, you know, academically, and I'm 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 not casting aspersions on the W. This is kind of indicative of all universities across the country. Over the last fifteen to twenty years, they've all become heavy at the top. I would say the W is probably better than that just because they have to be. A classroom, if it's not cash flowing itself, or at least you could break it the down to a, te- a, te- a teacher level. At yeah. teacher level, if there's not some, if that teacher or uh, professor is not cash flowing themselves, right, or the department on an average is not cash flowing itself, it goes away. Just to your point, the teacher goes away. Okay. It's not really within what's taught. It's the extraneous expenses that are associated with managing the university. If those are out of whack, and that's kind of what's happened with the W, again, is back to what's happened to Columbus, the same thing. The W had a set number of students that they had. They built an infrastructure to maintain and Mm -hmm. occupy those students. As the students have shrank, they've lost the revenues to maintain those facilities. Not uncommon, okay? Columbus is the same way. Columbus had... You know, it was a thriving, growing population in the 80s and into the 90s. You know, that was the proposition for the 45 bypass. Mm-hmm. Never came to pass because Columbus has been shrinking. It just now has grown a little bit. We have an infrastructure for an amount of people that now is dispersed. Little neighborhoods here, little neighborhoods there. People, you know, with spread all over the place so that now you have a smaller group of people having to manage the same mm-hmm. physical plant, same physical resources. Any way you slice it is very, very difficult, whether in the municipal level, whether those universities. And I don't know the inside baseball on the W. I think, back to your president that you were saying about uh, mixing the alumni money, I think they probably had a run of people that were not focused on the future, mm-hmm. not focused on mm-hmm. those that physical plant, maintain mm-hmm. those buildings, not focused mm-hmm. on what the next steps were. And to play catch-up, you're you know, Nora Miller and whoever's there, they're trying to play catch up on in an environment that is just by the nature of how it functions, very slow moving. That's correct. And it's so hard to go through that because you've got so many levels of government bureaucracy and to get money to do that, to grow their budget, all that stuff is so difficult to turn back that tide. It's just like what we face in Columbus you got a series of things where we act like we're somebody like Oxford. Well, we can make mistakes because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. People are coming. The housing prices are growing. Mm-hmm. There's all this. It doesn't matter. Okay, all mm-hmm. this money's coming in. The house, it, it, our taxes. 
We're not. We're a stagnant to yeah, shrinking. Yeah, we, we buy two lemon uh, double-decker buses that are sitting out in the open rotting because we want to be Oxford. Do they run at all? Do no. we still have those buses? <laughs> yeah. I haven't they're thought down, about those buses in years. They just bought a second one. They're down there, they had one, they're down there at Public Works. Yeah. Da- down the new there ones, Works, The new like. one's under the cover. When was the last time they pulled one of those out? Did well, they do it during the pilgrimage? Well, they were supposed to. Well, well okay. If you want to shift to that, I can, no, I no, can no, tell no, you. No, 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 no. Well, I talked to the guy I, at Waters. I, think, I can tell you about that. I think, I think we, we have established your opinion about the city. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But it, but, but it speaks to the whole thing. If you don't take care of your infrastructure, yeah. you don't take care of your if – you, if you buy a lemon, what happens? It sits there and rots. I don't want the W to sit there and rot. I mean, I've always I don't been told Columbus. if you get lemons, make lemonade, right? Well, they ain't making lemonade. <laughs> Because they're buying buildings instead of taking care of the things they have. I think the problem with the CVB, and I'll say this, is that when people get out of their lane, you know, there's a mm-hmm. there's a there's a saying that's in business. You go to business school, they teach you this saying, and it's a bullshit, stupid saying. And it's called "stick to your knitting." Okay, you can think of it as dance with the one that brung you. Mm-hmm. What you should continue to do what's made you successful and what mm-hmm. you got into doing. Yeah. Okay? What's our brand? And that and that is when people get out of that. And I don't know everything. I'm taking what you said. I'm listening to what you're saying. And those type of things fit in that mold that the CVB is buying real estate, that they're doing mm-hmm. this, that they're doing that. You know, when, and this is kind of as a rule, when you don't stick to your knitting, whether it's a billion-dollar business or this organization, you're getting out of what you know. And when you're getting out of what you know, then you're liable to make mistakes. And some of those mistakes can be big mistakes. And a lot of times... You may not know you're making those mistakes until you're getting run over by the bus. Or uh, you hire somebody who has no background in tourism to run your to run a multi-billion dollar or multi-million, sorry, multi-million dollar tourism business. I mean, I guess for me, and I know this is kind of a bullshit thing and I hate what people say at basket, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What would like if you were there and you're the queen of Whatever. Right, you, you become do, the dictator. The tourism. dictator hire tourism. the people who of, knew what to do. Of tourism. I'm not saying that you've got to do, but what would you say? Like, what what would be kind of some first like gimme putts? I would hire the people who actually know what they're doing, and okay. I wouldn't be. The first thing I'd do is I'd cancel the. Uh, I, I, well, I wouldn't be taking pictures of my house and putting it as advertising for my community. That's the first thing I'd do. I'd actually go out and do the things that that are beautiful in this town i'd start with the courthouse i'd go to some of the you know some of the old downtown i'd go out i'd probably take pictures of the soccer field you know probably in the summertime when it was green i'd go and take pictures of the things that actually show off what are the nice good things about our community and the historical pieces our brand is the history of this town Mm -hmm. i would agree with that and and that history goes back to 1820 it doesn't I mean, good, bad, or whether we like what happened. Yeah. History is history. You can't rewrite it. You can't change it. Back when we were in Alabama. Back, well, we weren't. They just misread the survey. Rufus Ward told me we were in Alabama. No, they thought (laughs) we were, and they thought we were were in Alabama. They thought the river. They thought the river (laughs) was was the boundary, and they were wrong. See, I'm kind of of your mind. Is I like. 
I'm not one of those people that finds the pilgrimage to be distasteful if it's done right. I think that there's an inclusive history that they can fold into there. Yeah. And including, I think they're working at it. Including including the true picture of the enslaved and, in, and including yes. the free and enslaved. I, I listened to your article about um, the bridge builder. That's, mm-hmm. uh, Horace King. Horace King. Who, whose I owner mean, gave a, him his freedom. He was probably the owner's, probably his brother, maybe. Um, probably his partial sibling or son, possibly. Right. But the bigger part of it was he gave him his freedom because he was going into bankruptcy and he didn't want his competitors just take him to, away. to take his slave and, oh, and wow. put him because yeah, he was a brilliant architect. He's a brilliant. He was, he was a, an architect. So he was, a, a, he was a bridge builder. Okay. And, and he was like a preeminent build bridge builder across the correct. southeast. Yeah, I, I just think that there's things that are like that, and even physical remnants of things that are like that that could be capitalized on in our town. Yeah, the posts. There's some of the posts are still down there at the uh, in front of the Fraser House. Okay, from that bridge. Uh, yeah, on Bridge huh. Street, okay. which is now Fourth Avenue South. Right. You can see where it was. You can see the these massive posts that have been cut off. So, and you know why the bridge came down? Really. <laughs> I mean, there's something. Oh, it was burned. It was well, no. It was taken down because people in Aberdeen were pissed because when they could only get their cotton to market when the river came up in the winter, so you couldn't get up to Aberdeen on the river until flood season. Well, when the flood came up, you couldn't get the the, the river because the bridge was right because there. of the bridge. <laughs> so they need they they were pissed off. So they were having to pay money to bring to to bring their stuff to our port and then load it. Onto uh, those damn Aberdeen people. <laughs> well, well, but it, but it's just you know, it commerce yet again. It's somebody's you know, it's hurting somebody's business. Yeah. Things haven't, nothing's changed. Well, the almighty dollar is still God. Correct. What do you find to be hopeful around here then? The people. I mean, with the exception, I, y'all didn't of know one. me from Adam's house cat. Yeah, I didn't even know you existed. Yeah, that's a good question. How did you How did you find out about us? I think Ryan told me. Ryan okay. Munson. I okay. can't remember if it was Ryan or Alan or I stumbled on you. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Doesn't matter. You, the, how did you, you find out about me? I'll tell you how I did. I was in here one day. Oh, I can tell you exactly how I found out about you. And I said, uh, uh-oh. No, it's some not pe- bad. There was somebody in here, and they said, what are y'all doing? And I said, well, we're shooting the shit. We're, gonna, we're talking about starting a podcast. And this was a lady, and she said, oh, you better watch out. There's just this woman named Shannon Evans, and she's starting a podcast, and she's going to open up this big can of worms about this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty interesting. And uh, and it is. I heard about you through a friend of my wife's who's very into scuttlebutt-type things. Uh-huh. And I was kind of the same thing. Well, Mark and I started a podcast. You know there's this other podcast, right? Have you listened to it? And I'm like, no, it's all about Nancy Carpenter. <laughs> Did, it started because I was so angry. I really didn't plan to do anything after those first 30. And then it just keeps going and it hadn't ended yet. Um, and then I was like, well, I can't do this forever. And it, and I thought, well, I could go after every other elected official or person. Right. And, and Nancy's not a private individual. She works. She's a government. No, you're, you're doing journalism it, work. It, it is a government. That is a government funded position. You know, so it's paid for with our tax dollars. You know, and I thought about the fact that that soccer field down there, as an engineer, I just kind of go. Anyways, you know, and there's a lot of stuff around here. The amphitheater. I mean, these are light things that are ripe for discussing. But in order to put it in context, you have to understand this community. 
Mm. And so I have Murder Mondays because we have so many. Um, <laughs> Do we? I feel like we've kind of gone down a I little. Or like, is that just yeah. my imagination? Uh, well, I don't know. Feel, kind of, uh, that's kind of my feel good well, thing. Yeah, I, oh. In terms of murder, I hope you run out of content very, very soon. That would be great, but I'm just doing historic murders. I, I mean, okay. I, 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 you know, I'm not going to play on anybody's pain and suffering who's living today, who's fan. There are might be a few exceptions based on the fact that I think it needs, you know, there, there's something that needs that. There's a context to it. So, you know, it's the is it, there's so much about this town, and I and and so much of the history has is just sitting in newspaper articles and nobody's written about it. I mean, would you have known about the thing of Robert Glead? No. Because the kids do. I mean, I, don't don't get me wrong. The kids who do tales from the crypt and all that. They do a good job, but they're kids. They're right. not doing primary. They start doing primary research, but they're still high school kids, and they have other classes they have to take. Sure. And, you know, they still got to pass biology and all that other stuff. So they they do a good job of what they have, but they don't do the depth of research that I do. And I mean, I'm doing some significant stuff. Plus, I'm down at the MDAH all the time with my work. So what's what's another few minutes of pulling up something? I got you. That mm-hmm. I need, Multitasking. or going over to the um, to the grant the grant library. Ulysses S. Grant's right, yeah. presidential library over there. You know, there's stuff like that. So everything I try and do, I'm trying to make people see our community. And see, we're no different than any other community. We have our murders. We have our, you know, politicians who caught with their hands in the in the pot. We have people who do good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've, I've been like, I've I've been interviewing people. I mean, inter- I did the Magnolia Literacy Project. Now, that's not here. That's a friend of mine who's a professor at Jackson State. But her work has the potential to impact any small town in America mm-hmm. or any other place where people decide to to work on the the, the literacy rates. And it's not just literacy as in reading. It's financial literacy. Sure. You know, it's it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, so so I've been interviewing people and and trying to point out that Mississippi's not a whole bunch of uneducated rubes, and all we do is you know sit around and spit tobacco and you know wave the Confederate flag yeah. all day. Well, not all day. No. <laughs> we got to we have more re- th- replug our tobacco and drink <laughs> yeah. our moonshine. Yeah, absolutely. Which we buy at the liquor store. Not buy that, shoes. The closes that you know that the blue laws in some counties don't allow to be open after eight or after ten or on Sundays. I'm hoping so. Mississippi will be the next destination place. You I know, think we've it's gone, got the we've potential. Gone, we've we've gone from Texas to Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Alabama's picking up. Maybe we can be. The next one where we get the, once the people figure out population. how cheap it is to live here, and that we're not a bunch of back asswards idiots. That's right. And that is January, and we're sitting outside in a beer garden in our shirt sleeves. I literally am in a long sleeve t shirt and a vest and leggings, and it's January. What? What's today's date? Tenth, twelfth, twelfth, whatever. Um, we're literally sitting in a beer garden outside. Maybe it is a tenth. 
Anyway. Um, well, it doesn't matter. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Just don't uh, ask about whatever happens weather-wise tomorrow. <laughs> or next week. We won't talk about Monday. But even then, everything, you know, as my daddy used to say, well, I don't like the weather, but I'll wait 15 minutes, and it's going to change anyways. And well, that's kind of the way it is. I can promise you this, Shannon. People are paying attention to what you're saying. They may not be doing it for the most noble reasons. <laughs> But they are absolutely listening to you, which means that in some way, shape, form, or fashion, good, ill, or otherwise, you're making a difference. Well, I'll tell you, I have one spinoff that's coming. And I don't Uh-oh, know. You're already in spinoff territory. Well, I remember I told you I have a degree, I have a yeah. master's in creative writing. Right. Uh, and while I do work in nonfiction, there's nothing like a good story, and we're full of them. And, um, I'm, Are you writing an episodic book that you're going to release as a podcast? Possibly. Might wow. be called Tibby Tales. That's vi- <laughs> <laughs> well, you heart. stay close to home. I'll uh, give you that. <laughs> well, it dumps into the Tom Bigby. I thought that was kind of important. <laughs> but I think it ties together. Uh, it will tie together some of the, the historical elements that actually happen around here with some of the people who were from here who settled this area. That reminds me one, well, when I was working for the dispatch, they sent me to Tibby. The disgrace. <laughs> no, they sent me to Tibby to cover this uh, event that was happening to these people who were getting water for the first time. Oh, my God. You were talking about all those people who weren't shoeless. And- right, so we're supposed to convince them that we're not rude. <laughs> um, well, have we solved all the world's problems yet, y'all? No, but at least we've got people thinking about them. Shannon, I really enjoyed talking to you, ma'am. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. Y'all going to come and be on my show? Of course. Sure we will. Okay. Um, so, yes, it's called Tom Bigby Tales. It's on It's on all the things, right? Yeah, it is. It's, on it, it's also on YouTube. And on YouTube. And uh, so check it out, please. Um, and uh, get in touch with us at that email address I can never remember. Mark, what is it? It's info at probablyirrelevantpodcast.com. That's info at probablyirrelevantpodcast.com. I've been Wade. He's been Mark. She's been Shannon. Please like, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, catch us next week, guys. Have a good one. Bye.